0: Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us Fridays, 8.40, 8.40, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the A.M. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM
1: in the A.M. The morning, we have to get you a new clock, I guess. Either
0: that, or I have to figure out a way to stop being confused. But uh, you might suggest, because you know what it's like uh, keeping late hours. You might suggest a bit more sleep. That does work for you, right? When you when you find yourself well rested, you are a little
1: bit better off, though. No? Saturday night's the most productive time of the week. You always, then after that it's downhill from
0: there. You always say that, which of course is is poetic justice that we have you on Friday morning, which is of course as we as we go. To, it, it's <laughs> it's as, the
1: it's, last turn exactly. of energy, there, yeah, right. It's,
0: it's as downhill as you can get. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know if uh, last week's journey is public or private. Is it something we could discuss on the air or not? Yes. Okay, great. T- tell us, tell us where you were and why.
1: I w- was in Kiev or Kiev, as it's called now, which is um, obviously in the Ukraine. Uh, We were there for the 80th anniversary of the massacre at Yar, where on September 29th and 30th of 1941, 33,711 Jews were shot. This was not the Holocaust that we know from concentration camps and gas chambers, this is called the Holocaust of Bullets, because each one was shot individually, every child, every woman, every man. And for those 48 hours around the clock, and you had the Nazis with their local collaborators, ultimately 100,000 people were killed at Barbier, including the Roma Christians and Muslims, but mostly Jews. And when the Russians came in after the war, they... they um, uh, destroyed whatever last vestiges were there. and People would walk around. They would find bones. In the 1960s, a group of Jews tried to build a memorial and clean it up, and it ran into opposition uh, from the communist regimes. And, you know, it's a very important at a time when Holocaust denial is so rampant and Holocaust distortion, when young people, a lack of ignorance about the Holocaust is so endemic it it uh, it's almost unbelievable they can't identify an Auschwitz or or much of the what event uh, what occurred the Holocaust. I think having uh, something that memorializes, especially the Holocaust of bullets, that which is a much more personal act when you have to face and shoot somebody. A baby. It's just it's so horrific to to contemplate it. And the um, so there are a group of people who put up a lot of money to begin to build memorials, some of which are up, but I think in the end there'll be 11 museums dealing with each of the groups uh, that were killed there. There's a pop-up synagogue in the shape of a book that is very very beautiful, and um, I'm sure many people will will now go and visit um, because it's representative of the many places that were killing fields in local communities where people killed the Jews and they would bury them. And only now, and especially because of the work of Patrick Dubois, a Catholic priest who has spent years and years going across Ukraine, Russia, other places, finding where Jews were killed because they would confess to, to a priest. And he tried to seal those places with concrete so they'd be identified and be able to be, to prevent them being looted or desecrated in the hope that later things can be done with them as well.
0: Uh, I'm assuming, and and you actually may have mentioned this, and if I missed it, I apologize. I'm assuming members of the Ukrainian government were were part of this ceremony?
1: Oh, absolutely. The president, Zelensky, is Jewish and very demonstratively Jewish. Oh, right. I remember you told him that. um, And the prime minister is. And the mayor of uh, Kiev, if I recall right, a former boxer stands about, I don't know, he's, he's even taller than you, which is <laughs> hard to believe. But the, And he and his brother, who are like, you know, it's like standing between the Twin Towers. Um, they, and he was, the brother was the world champion for 10 years, and I think he was a world champion. Um, but the people, uh, many of the people, the officials we met, all proclaimed the uh, jewish ancestry of one kind or another the president of israel came the president of germany the speaker of the house of the, the parliament of the georgia and others were there officials from all over and uh, secretary blinken sent a message and there were some u.s. officials there um uh, no high-ranking europeans actually were there was disappointing and i don't know what the message is um and of course you know the russians and the ukrainians are are at each other's throats, so they don't um, participate i
0: actually remember uh my father being frustrated that the young people did not know what bobby yar was like it's always i mean there's so many episodes obviously from world war ii and so many episodes and incidents that we could cite uh, but that was, I mean, as you just described, quite significant and quite deadly,
1: and uh, and, and and. But it was purposeful, right? He exactly. was right. That was the difference. That this was a deliberate campaign to obliterate it, to not to remember, to to hide the guilt. Had uh, there were there were righteous Gentiles in right. Ukraine? Do you know that a million and a half Jews were killed in World War II? A quarter of the six million died in the Ukraine. It's not something people generally know, and the and the massive. Effort that was undertaken to kill the Jews and how it was done um, is, is not is not really known. But this is a deliberate effort to obscure it, to to deny it. And now I have to say, you have to credit the government and others that they it was widely covered in the press. It was um, uh, certainly in the Ukraine very uh, publicly. The public was very aware of it.
0: Um, Malcolm Holmline with us. What can you tell us about the Israel airstrikes in Syria this week and the Iranian response?
1: Well, there have been ongoing efforts by Israel to, um, prevent, uh, more, more advanced technology from getting to Hezbollah or to some of the militias in, uh, in Syria. This is, um... These are not new. They they hit some of the same targets where we know that um, missiles were stored and other things, um, other equipment that uh, that they took out. And this is uh, the the reaction. Uh, by the way, the Syrians have still been pretty muted. They they every once in a while shot a missile, but you see the Russians are not activating the anti-aircraft system, uh, although Israel has to be very careful and they avoid certain provocations or areas that could be seen as a provocation uh, to, to the Russians. But the, uh, the escalation in, in Syria uh, is serious because the, the Iranians have doubled the number of troops over the past year that they have in Syria, and there is this internal competition between Russia, Iran, and Turkey, over gaining prominence, and now that Assad has more or less solidified his position—not um, permanently, but uh, right. d- d- deliberately—and uh, will likely remain. So now the the question is: each of them aligns with the other to get rid of the third. So the I know the Syrians and Russians would like to push the Tur- the Iranians back. They certainly want to push Turkey back. Uh, the the um, no one yet has the ability to completely dominate, but it's going to be part of the competition. And for Israel, obviously, it's very vital, given the the closeness to the border, to the Golan, that the um, both the militias, uh, Iranian-backed militias, and the Hezbollah uh, sustain.
0: Yeah, we always talk about the Iranian threat, nuclear-wise, and obviously that's a big concern. Obviously, uh, but you can't forget about the presence in Syria and what danger that poses to Israel, God forbid. What about the letter that Iran wrote? Uh, uh, by the way, I don't, I don't know, it's the first time I ever saw that a letter was submitted to the UN. I assume that that's protocol, right? That when they... It's,
1: yeah. that, uh, it's t- protocol, and right. it's the ultimate chutzpah that, that Iran, you know, writes this letter. Yeah. Did you see, you know, it's very interesting how the media completely ignores when the Vice President of Iran uh, for Economic Affairs, um, Mohsen, uh, Razi, um he he made a public statement warning that the 10,000 Jews in Iran were hostages against Israel and the the um there's an organization, an opposition organization, that wrote a post on its Telegram account saying that he said in the speech, the Israeli government knows very well that if it makes a mistake, the regime will treat the 10,000 Jews living in Iran differently. As you yeah. know on this show, I've warned about oh, that yes. for so many years oh, that they yes. will they will manipulate that population. They will do, God forbid, things. So far, they haven't. The Jews there you know, live relatively normal lives for people in Iran. The internal situation is, continues to deteriorate for everyone. Both the COVID the toll is very high, but also the drought has impacted about half the country. The currency is almost worthless. The price of oil going up has helped them a lot um, because that, that they sell oil through, to China and to others um, both, both certainly illicitly in violation of the sanctions, but the um, uh, the internal situation continues to deteriorate. There are massive demonstrations against the government of Iran which don't get reported outside and the you know the stability there is is a test and it was tested this week particularly the past couple of weeks on the border with Azerbaijan, where Iran has said that they were angry that Israel as people um, which Israel does assist Azerbaijan, and they do joint exercises, and Israel is able to, to use its airspace to, for their air, uh, pilots to train and many other things. But in the recent war in Nagar Karabakh, where Iran backs the Armenians against Muslim, Shiite, uh, Azerbaijan, which was aligned with Turkey and Israel, and the, so they massed troops along the border, the biggest buildup since the Iran-Iraq war, and uh, massive numbers of tanks and stuff along the Azeri border. Now, they can't move, and the reason why the internal situation is so important is because there are 30 million Azeris in Iran, and they're becoming increasingly nationalistic and disassociating from the central regime, frustrated with the central regime. And they so they they will certainly rise up if if Iran... Really made a move against um, against Azerbaijan, so now there're supposedly going to be some talks, but the differences are are very fundamental, and the it's not going to be resolved by um, you know over a chit chat table. all they do is reduce the tensions uh, for now, but it was e- escalating very fast, and uh, Aliyev, the President of Azerbaijan made some very strong statements as well, and so you have Iran on a number of its borders facing serious challenges. And the uh, and with this poor economy and domestic concerns, uh, you know, it's not a sound. That's why we have to keep the sanctions on. That's the key. And all this is just, if nothing else, that is the key. You know, they, they have the chutzpah to go public and announce that they have 265 kilograms at 20%. And we know that they have 60% in rich uranium. And it's increasing rapidly in September. It was like 185. In March, it was 130. Uh, and... 375 is enough for a bomb. Wow. At 90% but that's just technical about how you 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 jack it up. So it when people talk about, you know, well, the threat's not imminent, not imminent. They're moving all the time on this and on their delivery system. And the other area they're moving which may people don't I think, take seriously enough, is on the drones. They are perfecting more and more advanced killer drones as they used in, remember, in Saudi Arabia when they were able to go all around the Gulf and hit them. They're advancing because, in part, because their air force is so antiquated and their planes are not that effective, they need to have these drones, and they're using them in Iraq, they're using them in Syria, they're using them uh, and providing them to the Houthis and to Hezbollah and to Hamas. Uh, So they're moving ahead on each front, uh, despite the fact that their people pay the price.
0: On the earlier point, and I I go back only because I know there are listeners who are concerned and and are curious, uh, because you have told us that you, I mean, you've told us openly, you've told us, you know, with... uh, uh, in more roundabout ways, that that you and others are in touch with the Iranian Jewish community, uh, is there still an effort or advice from American leaders to them to leave or to? Uh, you know, do they give you? Do you give or do people here give them specific direction? Uh, is there still a is there still a, a line of communication over the last couple of years when it comes to this issue?
1: There are lines of communication. Um, many of relatives in America. Uh, But most of the conversations are about, you know, family matters and their internal situation. It's mostly with non-Jews that we get our information. We don't want to jeopardize the Jewish community. Um, And uh, the problem with leaving is there were plenty of slots for for people to have left Iran, and and others filled it. Uh, The Jewish community, many of them, these thousands did not leave. And they they do lead a full Jewish life. They have yeshivas, they have restaurants, they have... uh, they have things. But the problem is that you can't get into America. Right. And some of the way station countries won't take people unless they know that they're going to be able to leave in a relatively short time.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio, Around the World, the Web, and and the MalcolmSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. If you're a new listener, like so many people in Florida became this week, um, Friday, seven forty a.m. Eastern Time. Discussion about current events through the weekly update. By the way, um, it's funny. I, I spoke to somebody who had recently been to Saudi Arabia, um, and I'm sure you know a million people who who you know are still traveling and, and are in touch business wise and government wise with people there. Um, it, I, I know that there are indications from the uh, uh, the from the um, Uh, the government of Saudi Arabia, there will be some type of Abraham Accords move by them soon. But what does soon mean? Like, should we stop holding our breath and this could take a year or two?
1: I wouldn't hold your breath. (laughs) I don't know how long you can do it. But if uh, look, they, they make all sorts of soundings, but I don't see it as imminent. I think it's, uh, it's still complicated for them, but they are making other moves. There are Saudis visiting Israel and Mer- and Jewish and Israeli businessmen visiting Saudi. Uh, tourists are going. Uh, we're breaking the barriers there and in other countries. Their airspace uh,
0: is now open? There are more open airspace over Saudi Arabia?
1: In yeah, terms- but not the full ah. airspace for Israel. I mean, to fly over to the Far East. And- Got it but right now we ready for the UAE for I think Emirates or whatever they fly to Dubai, and, uh, to Dubai and then to the Far East, it takes about three hours off the flight wow. but the, um, uh, the, the I mean there are a lot of things going on and there was a lot of celebrations in the last couple of weeks right. and in it people and I know some of them who really don't have a clue about why they're saying that there's going to be this breakthrough there are countries that are Interested, and in the in the one of the things that helps is the United States is more open expressions of support for the Abraham accord as We have seen the Secretary Blinken hosted uh, Foreign Minister Lapid and the Foreign Minister of the UAE, Foreign Minister Bahrain last week. They they have uh, visited Israel, and um, he was in the Lapid visited Bahrain. Uh, there were meetings between the Prime Minister and some of the representatives of Arab countries. So there there's. Multi, the trade figures with with UAE really are very impressive and could reach a billion dollars this year uh, with the other countries it's more limited
0: all right understood maybe it is just that whole anniversary fervor that's making people assume that you know things I think that's right yeah you know, things are moving forward the, the real action this week unfortunately is for the people of Lebanon uh, looks like the government's collapsing looks like there's uh, uh, riots in the streets what's happening in Lebanon at this point
1: no, the government has collapsed, and it's been in collapse for for a while. But it uh, it's becoming a free for all. And what's interesting is, it, well, there are a couple factors. One is the buildup of Hamas in in Lebanon, which uh, Hezbollah doesn't like, and um, and also that they are far less responsible. And they could bring uh, escalate events along the border, and that could bring responses on the people of Lebanon. And they're saying, you know, we don't want Uh, Hamas um, engaging these activities so that's one factor second is that the government don't seem to be able to get their act together and there were incidents uh, and major demonstrations between the Christians uh, armed Christians going to the streets and armed uh, followers of Hezbollah there were clashes, people were killed there were big demonstrations about the investigation of the port uh, and the failure of the investigations of the port and because they believe it's tied to higher ups and the, about the corruption, which is so widespread there as it is in other places in the Middle East.
0: And it was during that rally that the bomb occurred, right?
1: And then the bombing occurred. And Lebanon itself is is um, you know it's it's in a very delicate state. You have all that infrastructure of Hezbollah in. The south of Lebanon along the northern border of Israel, where you have 150,000 missiles deployed, you have uh, very sophisticated equipment, and and a whole network of underground tunnels where they can move over vast areas um, to, uh, you know, to carry their message, uh, their uh, fighters or their equipment. Uh, So Lebanon is in a very sorry state, and they can't even get to the exploration of their oil. Um, and reach an agreement with Israel over demarcating the lines, uh, which would bring them uh, financial resources. So it's it's um, Lebanon is a very tender and potentially explosive place right now.
0: Yeah, it seems like it always has been, but now maybe worse than ever. Uh, is Israel involved in a prisoner exchange? The latest news says that that might be imminent.
1: There have been talks about it for a long time. So far we haven't seen it. I think the public's... Um, appetite for it has diminished because of the price we paid for recidivists from past deals. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the commitment is still to get everyone home. You see even the renewed interest after decades in Rana Rod by the government. There is not new, particularly new news. Uh. And I was very involved with his family at the time in the case and following it up for a long time. Um, at least we should get, make sure that he comes back to Israel for, for, for burial. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about a deal that was the Egyptians were trying to negotiate a Hamas Israel uh, exchange in, for, for people in Gaza. And, you know, we have two Israelis who wandered across the border who are probably mentally challenged and um, two of the soldiers. Uh, but people are saying you don't pay, you know, this exorbitant price for, for them. Because there are guys who who will just come back. We're going to release people who will do what the last groups did, and that is just revert back to being terrorists.
0: It's the old story, as we say. Um, is it? Oh, by the way, I got to ask you about this. I, I'm sure. I mean, you saw the viral video with the interview with Ben and Jerry, uh, <laughs> and the story with Sally Rooney, where she will not sell her translation rights to her book to Israel uh, because of a boycott. Uh, You know what the problem is? I think I could have answered the Ben and Jerry question better than they did. (laughs) I I don't. I don't have the same policy or believe in the politics that they do, and I could have answered it better. Uh, They they can't even. They can't even think clearly enough to say that you know that they have a lot of you know difficulties with a lot of policies around the world. But this is the biggest priority for them. They can't. They can't even articulate that. It, It seems like people who are boycotting Israel don't even understand why they are at times.
1: Yes, and they and they uh, said that they were avowedly supporters of the existence of state of Israel, very strong supporters. Right. Um, I'd love to see where their donations went through Israeli institutions. Yeah. But the the um, I think that it says a lot. I, you picked up a very important point about the the inability to answer. Right. Uh, and it's a left-wing media, I think, who, who were uh, right. outlet, and and she simply said, "Well, why are why are you trading in Georgia and Texas?" And right. the guy said, hmm, "I don't know. It's a good question. not a good question." <laughs> and, and I mean, it's 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 appropriate they ask him it, but you see that it's not really based on a thought out position, and it's it's the the automatic knee jerk reaction of the extreme left. And, uh, unfortunately, there's even one entity that, that wants to, is honoring them, supposedly at their dinner because of their moral stance. It's not a moral stance. It's hypocritical. It's a lie. It's, it's, uh, it's something that they can't themselves, uh, justify.
0: Right. If you can't articulate a position, I mean, my God, they, they, they went ahead and they established an international reputation for the stand that they're taking and they can't explain the stand. Anyway, I don't know why I'm yelling at you about Ben and Jerry, but I don't need it, so it's okay.
1: I boycott it completely. That, that, that's they boycott me too, I guess. So it's okay.
0: that was before the policy, or only since the policy? that you boycotting? No,
1: even before, because I knew it was coming. Oh, I thought you. I thought you were just. You were but, just trying... but you know, they don't own it anymore. Unilever right. owns right. it, right? And New Jersey, Arizona, and other states have, right. uh, you know, are. Getting rid of the stock right. in Unilever, which is important because right. each case it's over a hundred million dollars. Right. Um, it's not, and Unilever. Uh, officials have come out and said it's not their policy that, that they the deal they signed when they bought it is that they have independent judgment, right, the right, right to make their own judgment about stance that they take. But I think Unilever has ways to get the message across, and the more people who engage in, in the uh, eliminating Ben and Jerry, not only is it healthy for them, but it will be healthy for uh, the Middle East, too. Now,
0: now, you and I have had discussions about boycotts slash free speech, in the past. Um, Now, on the heels of what we just discussed, what should be our attitude and or action when school boards or individual teachers are calling for balanced uh, teaching of the Holocaust in their uh, schools? Meaning, they're they're actually saying that that there should be uh, the other side quote-unquote presented when a Holocaust course is given.
1: Well, that is one example of a whole panoply of cases that we have where teachers are introducing both this radical curriculum, the rewriting of history, the revisionist history, the anti-Israel, and even in cases purely anti-Semitic uh, content. And parents have to stand up. And I, I sometimes can be dealt with it. we saw with that parent who stood up at the, the board education meeting um, uh, in the South, and, and but all over the country we get these reports all the time now of the the hostile content that is being introduced on, on college campuses. It's given, but they yeah. say, well, they're adults. But here we're talking about little kids, and to say that there has to be a balance on the Holocaust education, but this is one person. There's no evidence that this is a, a bigger policy. But the very fact that in this time and and age, it, that is something somebody can get away with and, and that, wouldn't arouse you know kind of automatic revulsion about i mean well, are we going to say you know have somebody give us another side of hitler and another side of, of concentration camps so it's very disturbing but it's a sign of the times it's it's anti-Semitism, unfortunately, continues. The physical assaults continue. The um, intellectual assaults, and as you said, you know, that when the uh, author says that she doesn't want a book published in Israel, now she says she would be honored to have it published in Hebrew, just not in Israel. Right. Uh, well, who's going to read it <laughs> if it's uh, published outside? And, uh, you know, but again, it's an indication. Is this really a policy that you want to see introduced? Is this what intellectual freedom dictates?
0: Yeah, and they're the ones, of course, who are always uh, demanding or um, uh, fighting for individual uh, freedoms like that. And uh, sure enough, they're at the forefront of this battle. Um, In Israel, is there a real effort to block Lapid from becoming prime minister? Like, what's happening there uh, at the forefront of the Israeli government?
1: Well, it's not a decision that has to be made now and right now the government is trying to hold it together and of course Lapid wants to become prime minister you've had various people speak out Gantz said that he would entertain going with Likud if if Netanyahu wasn't there and Yuli Edelstein came out uh, saying that he would challenge Netanyahu although the inter- polls of, uh, of the Likud members show that he Netanyahu enjoys 83% support wow uh, um, and that's this week. That's a big number. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and remember there, the, the, look at the difference in size. Bennett had his, as six members in the parliament. Right. really good as over 30. And the latest poll shows about 34 seats. Again, this is all speculative. Uh, I think that, um, Bennett and Lapid know that they, they need each other. They depend on each other and are trying to move in a deliberate way, um, you know, and sometimes to get caught, you saw the Bennett's comments this week about, uh, you know, that he's happy that they're harried him and all that, but we should yeah. limit their power. You know, that's not, I wouldn't dare say that about other groups or other sectors. And... Um, uh, you know, I think his their, their, his appearances here, uh, Bennett, uh, both at the UN and his meetings in Washington just prior, were successful. They seem to be, you know, being able to build working relationships with the administration, with Congress. They're doing a lot of outreach to the Democrats, um, who have been feel alienated over the years. Yep. Uh, so. It's, it's, um, I don't think anybody's speculating now about what will happen. You know, Netanyahu built, uh, got a reputation that he would make these deals and then not fulfill them. So I don't think they, they want to. The, the real thing that they're trying to show is that they're not Bibi. When their travels abroad and all of that, the tone, it's all to say that this is a new, a new wave. And I have to say in my meetings with world leaders during, uh, the UN week, uh, and many Arab leaders, but others, there was a different tone and different uh, sense. But, you know, events also dictate that.
0: Yeah, I hear that. But it's interesting because the comparisons that have been made over the last many years, but obviously uh, much more so in the last year or so between Trump and Bibi, it's just like Trump is not gone from the political scene. Anybody who thinks Bibi's finished, you got to think twice. Because with, with numbers like that and the way Israeli politics work, he could works he could be back in power at least a major influence you know right around the corner
1: it could be and you know that this is a tenuous coalition and you know they work walk on eggshells that make sure the budget gets through and the other things which they have to do uh but there are issues that could um rend them apart there's certainly some of the minority parties uh there um although most are minority parties and they they would um uh, you know, so they're being very careful, I think, in their treatment of others. Badans and Bennett were in a heated exchange over the revelations about the Mossad operation, kidnapping an Iranian general, and why it was released, and uh, whether it should have been released at all. Um, it was surprising that it was, but it uh, may have been for a different purpose. So there there are points of tension, and, you know, time. We'll have to see how it plays out. All right.
0: You know what we never discussed, because it was Yontif time? Ah, uh, the New York Times uh, in-depth coverage of the uh, robo, uh, the robo um, hit. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, with Israel,
1: yes, um, in Iran, against the head the, of the nuclear program, right? And, uh, the, and the
0: Times actually got criticized by pro-Israel groups for the way they portrayed it. Did you think that was justified?
1: Look, I think it's an interesting story, but it wasn't anything new. I mean, the story had been right. told That's months true. before, you know, about, about how this was done, right. and they got some more technical information from somebody, and so therefore felt that they, it wasn't an exclusive but a, a story, right. but some of the details uh, were good. And, and it shows the ability that Israel has to strike against those who, who are oh my threatening gosh. its existence. I mean- and that message isn't lost. Yeah. on the other leaders and you know there've been many other eliminations there were uh, the attacks that took place and now you know that there's going to be this huge uh, the largest ever international air drill which has been kicked off with Israel with um, Germany Italy Britain France India Greece and the United States and you know when they look at that and they say whoa what's happening there and in the meantime their uh, places have been targeted that drone Factory in Koshan, which is the central place for building the drones. Uh, they have seven locations around Iran, but uh, was mysteriously hit in the last few weeks. And, you know, there were other um, um, incidents. Right. And we know that there were attempts by Iran to carry out assassinations in Colombia and elsewhere. Uh, so, you know there's much more going on than people tend tend to believe
0: the pakistani scientist who died this week that was natural causes right
1: the aq yeah, khan but you know that this was really dr evil he he was the one who proliferated the uh, nuclear information made it available to different countries uh, like uh, including iran we believe and um, but he died of natural causes right. uh, and i think he was 85
0: yeah uh, finally, as I asked you off the air, Malcolm, anybody who thinks they know what type of uh, policy Israel is going to have toward Americans who want to visit it in the month of November, nobody knows. And I, I shouldn't even bother asking you the question. It's unfair because nobody <laughs> knows. Simple as that. Don't believe everything you read.
1: That That is absolutely right. Don't believe everything you, mean, you read. Um, there are... You know, people did get in some increasing numbers. Will in November they're supposedly revising it. It's not clear what they will demand in terms of inoculation—a third inoculation or a double inoculation—and then tests. And you have always the threat of quarantine. So everybody should be very careful in checking with their travel agent what the rules are before they, yeah, assuming, they a trip.
0: assuming they know. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, right. And and the government though is is coming out, and I think there's supposed to be a meeting. There was a meeting this week, at the end of this week, or maybe next week, where they're going to put out the rules for November. There are some that have been published, but frankly, I find them so confusing, it's hard to discern which one, which is which.
0: Easier to go to Kiev, huh? (laughs) Yeah,
1: And also, there's good news from Morocco. The new government in Morocco is remarkable. The Hanush uh, government, they they knocked the Muslim Brotherhoods down to twelve weeks, I think it's it's like ten percent of what they had, and uh, this is all to the credit of the king and his uh, the way he dealt with this. And I discussed it all along, you know, where he said, "Okay, here are the keys," and you guys you guys think you can do a better job? And he quickly exposed them. And I think it's it's again a story that they won't tell when it's positive in the country that's pro American and sympathetic to Israel, building up the ties. A lot of exchanges going on there as well.
0: Wow, well, amazing. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak thank again next week. Malcolm, absolutely Hol- thank you so much. Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the A.M.